You know, I didn't have any conversation with the worship team this this week or anything, but man, these these songs that they've sang, these this worship that we've lifted up to the Lord today, just goes right along with kind of what we're going to be teaching on about worship and how you know we're we're to be like a, an incense to the Lord, a sweet sweet and pleasing aroma, day and night, night and day, right? Let incense arise. And we're going to see about this aroma of this perfume that Mary pours on Jesus' feet today and how it filled that whole place and how it filled that whole room. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we just come before you today and we give you thanks, first and foremost, for your son Jesus. This unspeakable gift of love that you've given us through your son who has redeemed us, who didn't hold anything back from us, but loved us when we were the most unloving, unlovable. I thank you for, for your mercy and your grace, Lord. And as we uh, come here today to, to read your word and to learn not just about you, but to know you more and to give you the worship that you're due today, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall on us, each, every, each and every man, woman, and child in this place, that we would understand and know that, that we were born to worship something. You made us to worship you, Lord. So I pray as we look at the scriptures out of uh, John chapter 12 today that, that we might get some insight on different ways that different people worshiped him. Lord, we just ask that through this message, this, this, these, these scripture verses, that, Father, that you would be glorified, that we would, we would worship you with reckless abandon as well. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Nathaniel's teaching last week was just amazing, and <laughs> I hate following him sometimes. <laughs> but it, it was, he's... It was really good. He, he preached on chapter 11 and on the death of Lazarus and, and his raising from the dead, and, and it was amazing. And, and here uh, we're going to see in chapter 12 that uh, some time has gone, but we, we saw through that miracle, that was the last public miracle that Jesus performed because the, the religious leaders had finally, that was the last straw for them. They, they couldn't deny what Jesus done when he brought Lazarus back from the tomb. When that stone was rolled away after he had been in there for four days, there was no denying that that was supernatural. That, that had to be, that wasn't just some magic trick that took place. Amen? So they, their hearts were revealed because now they might have done things subtly and, and overtly, but now they have given an order to any Jew who sees Jesus to report it back to them so that they might arrest him, right? We see that in 11, I think, 53 or 57. So we see now their, their true motives, right? We see that they can't have Jesus uh, taking away their power and, and, and people following him and, and no longer following them. They wanted power and they want control and they want it back and they want it as soon as they can get it. But even when that being said, we see in, the, I think, let me look here, Caiaphas, and I think, hold on, I got my glasses here somewhere today. Got to have to get my cheaters out. 
Yeah, Caiaphas in verse 49, he says, Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, spoke up, You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation would perish. He didn't say this on his own, but he said it as high priest that year. He prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but for those, also for those scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one, so that from that day on they plotted to take his life. There was no more banding around the bush, was there? That's pretty clear that, that what they wanted to do. They wanted to kill Jesus. So Jesus kind of went on the down low, right? He kind of... He didn't do any, any public ministry for that time because he knew that, that uh, his time was not yet come. As we read in another uh, passage of John's scripture, Jesus understood his mission. And his time had not yet come. So he, he went back away from Jerusalem to a little town, I think it's called Ephraim. And now he's coming into a house in Bethany, right? So let's just uh, read the scriptures from chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to be reading out of the ESV because it gives a little clarity of actually where, where Jesus is at. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who, he was about to, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she might keep it from the day of my burial. For the poor you will have always with you, but you don't always have me. Amen. Word of the Lord. So we see that uh, Jesus has gone into Bethany, which is about two miles from, from Jerusalem, because he knows what the mission is. He knows that God has chosen him, his only son, to be that atoning sacrifice, that Passover lamb that would once for all pay for the sins of the world. He understood it. And if you remember back when we were studying in the book of Luke, it says that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. He had a single-minded mission. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he was going there. But on the way, it took him a while to get there because every time he would stop and people heard of him and they wanted him to they would bring their sick to him they would bring those who were 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 demon possessed and they wanted Jesus to perform miraculous signs and wonders and he did he healed those that were brought to him so it took him a while to get there and, and we're in a period of time right now where he hasn't been in the public's eye for for almost about two months I think they they chronic logically they're 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 speaking about two months times past since he raised Lazarus until he comes into the house of, of what we know through Mark chapter 14 is, is the house of, uh, of Simon, the, the leper, right? Um, and I'm just going to read that to you in Mark 14, that, that, uh, his account of, of what's taking place here. 
And it says in verse 14 of Mark chapter 3, it says, While he was in Bethany reclining at the table at the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a man came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume and made of pure nard, and she broke the jar and poured perfume on his head. So we see from Mark 14, 3 that he's at a house that is owned by Simon the leper. And if you remember the story about Simon the leper, Jesus had healed him from his leprosy. And leprosy was not like getting the flu or even getting COVID. It was, there was no cure for it, and it caused flesh to fall off of your skin, and he was deemed unclean. He was, I think he was a Pharisee who had gotten leprosy. So he couldn't be with his family. He couldn't be with any of his, his friends. He couldn't, it was a lonely existence to be a leper. But Jesus restored him and restored to him not only his health, but his status in society and, and his status in his own home. And he was thankful. So that's why we see Jesus at, at Simon's house is because he wants to give homage to, to Jesus for what he's done for him. He wants to, to show his appreciation and give thanks for what Jesus has done. So he's having this feast. And they're all there celebrating this miraculous sign of the, the, the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead as well. But first thing we see is, 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 is Simon the leper wanting to show love to Jesus. He worships Jesus by opening his home right? How welcome is Jesus in our homes? You know, when I do uh, wedding ceremonies, after I pronounce the husband and wife, I always say this, now, as you travel life's roads together, may Christ be the unseen guest in your home, the unseen listener to every conversation, what if we thought of Jesus that way in our homes? Would he be pleased by what he hears and what he sees? Something to think about, isn't it? Because he sees everything. He hears everything. He is that unseen listener, right? Some of you guys, I look around, and I see a few people that I've married, and you, you remember those words, right? I hope you remember them, because they were pretty powerful and effective. But God didn't want us to keep our, our relationship with Jesus in a bottle. He wants us to share with us. He wants us to, to, to tell people about Jesus and have intimate, an intimate meal with them and invite them into our home so we can tell them about the goodness of Jesus. So we see that taking place there, don't we? We see Simon opening his house up to Jesus for this meal that is that done in Jesus' honor, but it's to also to... To, uh, to, to, to celebrate that Lazarus, who was once dead, has now come back to life. And, and, and he's sitting there with him. It says that they uh, came where Jesus lived and, and whom Jesus raised from the dead, and there was a dinner given in Jesus' honor. Well, we see that little, little snippet of that sentence in, in the New International Version. It says simply this, Martha served. Martha served. Well, we know from, from Luke chapter 10, Martha was always serving, right? She was always the one trying to make everything just perfect. And that's another form of worship too. We have to understand a lot of people think that Martha got chastised by, by Jesus for, for what she did. No, she didn't. 
Martha should be commended because she wanted to give Jesus her best too. She wanted everything to be perfect for her Lord. Do you think that Martha didn't love Jesus as much as Mary? She, in her act of service to the Lord, wanted everything to be perfect. And she got frustrated with her sister because her sister didn't worship the way that she did. Does that make sense to you? Well, there's another little snippet we can take from this, this message. It's just because somebody doesn't worship like we do, doesn't mean it's not worship. You know, we have so many people here in our midst that worship the Lord behind the scenes that we never see up here. We never see anywhere. But you think about it. Those guys up there running the, the sound and running the, the cameras. A lot of times our elders, we don't see them actively out here and, and doing anything, but they're behind the scenes and they're, 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 they're praying and they're seeking the Lord's direction on how we should proceed and, and go. They're serving the Lord just like me, just like this beautiful worship team. All of our beautiful worship teams. And we are blessed with people that can, can provide worship, right? But that gift of administration is worship nonetheless. And it is exactly as important as the people that stand up here every day. I think you need to realize that, that that's their form of worship. They love the Lord just as much as I do, as much as you do, as much as those people that are gifted with music. That's their form of worship. We also see that Martha was serving. This time she's not saying anything. She's just going about her business and doing what she should or what she, she knows to do. And Lazarus, well, he's reclining at the table with Jesus. Sometimes that's a great thing, too. That's a form of worship. I don't know about you, but I think what blesses God's heart just as much as any of the rest of it is when we're just quietly sitting and listening to him, taking in what he's saying, and not only just taking it in, but understanding and putting it into action. We come here to learn. We come here to not just to, to, to learn about Jesus, to know Jesus and learn him more, to, to be like him, right? Been said in this world that the greatest form of flattery is imitation. Well, sometimes you can't imitate somebody you're not around, can you? That you don't know their little quirks and little, little movements. Being intimate with the Lord, you have to spend time with him. Lazarus, having just been raised from the dead, no doubt, was honored to be in the presence of the Lord. And so many times, you know, I'm, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes I'm so tired that I think, man, I'd just like to sleep in on, and not go to church today. But that's not honoring my God be in his presence i want to i want to honor god and i want to try to be here with you and be with him and in his presence any chance i can day and night night and day let incense arise amen so we see the gratitude of of lazarus by just being there with jesus and as we go on we see mary and Mary, 
You know, if you look back at scriptures, we see Mary, and every time I see Mary, at least in the book of John and in Luke and the Gospels, every time I've read about Mary of Bethany, she's always at the feet of Jesus. She's always at the feet of Jesus. The first time we see her was when Martha was telling Jesus, she's just sitting there at your feet, Lord, she's not helping me. Make her get up and do something, right? What did Jesus say? Martha, you're concerned about many things, but Mary has chosen that which is best, and it will not be taken from her. The second time we see Mary at the feet of Jesus is is when Lazarus is in the grave, he's in the tomb. Martha goes out to, to meet him, crying, Jesus, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus revealed to Martha who he was. He was the resurrection in the life, right? And then Mary comes out. And what does Mary do? What Mary does. She fell at Jesus' feet, crying. And Jesus was so, so overfilled with emotion, he wept too at the death of his friend. Even knowing what he's about to do, he still wept because he had compassion and empathy. And Jesus wants us to carry each other's burdens, right? He models that right there. He, he carried Mary's grief with him, even knowing that in just a few minutes that Lazarus would be restored to life. So Mary, overwhelmed by Jesus, and his great miracle and sign that he's performed with bringing her brother back from the dead, and then the love that she has in her heart. She understood the mission. She sat at Jesus' feet, and she caught something that none of his disciples caught, none of the Pharisees caught, no one else caught. But Jesus told them plainly that he was to suffer and to die. So what does she do? She takes pure nard, an alabaster jar, an expensive ornate jar, not with an ounce, but with a whole pound of this nard that comes. It's, a, it's an imported uh, perfume that comes from, from India. This plant spike nard comes from India, and that's what this perfume is made out of. And it is pure. It is concentrated, if you will. And we're going to learn that it cost a whole year's wages for an average laborer at that time. And she takes that alabaster jar and she breaks it and she pours it over the feet of Jesus. There she is on her third time at the feet of Jesus. See, when it comes to love, you don't count the cost. And she loved with all of her heart, with every fiber of her being. She was so overwhelmed with her love of Jesus that it didn't matter what the cost was she just wanted to show honor to her Lord and she pours this expensive perfume all over Jesus's feet and it says that that fragrance filled that whole house with 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 that smell day and night night and day let incense arise See, that's another thing you need to understand about worship. Worship just doesn't, inter, doesn't, doesn't involve us and the Lord. It involves people around us. Right? 
You've probably experienced it with somebody who was so in love with Jesus that you just couldn't help feeling the excitement and feeling close to the Lord when you're around them because of their enthusiasm, because of, of that Holy Spirit in them. What Mary did for Jesus affected everybody in that place. Most of them caught that sweet smell and they'll never forget it. Some of them were ignorant about it. They were angry because they seen it as a waste. But Jesus, he seen it as worship. You know, and it kind of brought me back to scriptures I, I, I remembered from 2 Corinthians. And uh, Paul wrote this, and he's talking about his, his ministry and, and the way that people perceived him and, and, the, his, and the people that was following him. And he says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I think verse 14, 15. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. What does he mean by that? Well, we just look a little further down the scriptures here. It says in verse 4 that, but one of his disciples, Jesus Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? And I think it says in the, uh, in, in the, the account on, in Mark that, that it was not just him, it was, there were some other people there that were not happy that, that, G, uh, that Mary had poured this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. They considered it a waste. And he says it was worth a year's wages. And he didn't say this because he cared about poor, but because he was a thief and a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself what was put into it. So we see that, that, that we who worship Jesus, we are to God a pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. You know, when we come here and we hear these beautiful worship teams just singing out the love that they have for the Lord Jesus, we can't help but be affected by it, can we? That brings us into an attitude of worship. I don't know about you, but I've been blown away by what I receive when I hear these worship teams. Well, so does God. That's a sweet and pleasing aroma to Him when we worship Him in that way. You know, I think Jeff has shared it before, that the worship that we bring in music and song and praise we bring that to God when we come together. The teaching is for you, but our worship is for God. That's, that's what we give to Him. So we see that to some who smelled that aroma, that was, that was a blessing and, and, it, and, it, and it affected them. How many of you guys have special smells that you remember from your childhood? I'll tell you, mine is my, walking into my grandmother's house. It smelled like coffee and bacon. You know, and to me that, that represented love and stability. And every time I smell that smell, I'm, I can walk into that house still where my, my, my cousin lives there now, but I can walk in that house still. And grandma and grandpa have been, granddad have been gone for, for over 10, 12 years now. And that smell not even, might not even be there, but I still smell it, right? I still smell it. Because it reminds me of stability and of peace and of love. And when I walk into this place, 
when I hear those songs, when I feel the hug, when I hear the encouragement, I can sense the smell of stability, of peace, and love here. I love you guys. And I love the worship that comes from each and every one of you guys that have a, a, a role in this place. I never really had much of a family growing up, family life, but I have a faith family life today, and I, I thank you for that. We can come into that presence of the Lord, and we can worship in many different ways. You know, we got, right now, even as we speak, and it's the most beautiful thing, when I'm back there being hall monitor a lot of times, and I see all these teachers of our children going up and trying to chase and catch the little ones and take them into their prospective classrooms, I just feel that that is a special a special kind of worship too because they're preparing the next generation of, of leaders in this church. I see, <laughs> I see little Vivi and, and, and I see her running around and I see Remy Gale and Nora and I have a hard time telling some of them apart sometimes because they look so, so much alike. But I'm thinking, there's our future women of God. And they're being trained by the current future women of God in this place and, and men too. But that's, that's worship, guys. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. You know what? That's what I see. When I see people worshiping, I saw... <laughs> I saw so many people. I saw saw one of our worship team, Yolanda, up there on her face, on her knees, worshiping the Lord, humbling herself at the feet of Jesus. I saw flags waving over here in the corner, giving glory to God. I seen hands raised by tough men back there in the back, humbling themselves as an act of worship. And that, my family, is beautiful. That's one of the most beautiful things that you can see in this place is us with reckless abandon, no matter what anybody says, nobody, what anybody thinks, worshiping the Lord in the way that God has revealed in us that we should. Nobody understood what Mary was doing some of them even criticized her for it. But listen to what Jesus said. I'm going to read in Mark. I like what Jesus has said in Mark. Verse 6, chapter 14 of Mark. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She did what she could. 
She gave Jesus her best. She probably gave her all, everything as far as wealth that she had accumulated. She just laid it all on Jesus' feet, that expensive perfume. And then she did something. If you were Jewish, she thought, oh my lands, she just really did that. Not only did she anoint Jesus' feet with that, pu- that, that expensive perfume, but she started wiping his feet with her hair. Now, in the Jewish culture, a woman would either have her head covered or her hair up. It, it was the only time that their hair was, was, was really let down was inside their homes in front of their husbands. As a matter of fact, in and some of you guys have been through premarital counseling with me in the Song of Solomon. You remember on the honeymoon, chapter 4, when we start seeing the honeymoon, and they're in the bridal chamber, and, and Solomon says, your hair is like a flock of goats <laughs> descending on Mount Gilead. Remember that little line? And he explained what that was, that they were in the bridal chamber, and Solomon was taking her hair down. And he took her bridal cap off and he let her hair fall down over her shoulders. And it's, she, he, he was saying that your hair is so beautiful and soft and it reminds me of the flocks descending on Gilead. He was letting her hair down. What I perceived when I read that verse, knowing what I did in the Song of Solomon, was Mary understood Jesus' mission. She understood that he was about to give his life as a ransom for many on that cross. And she also understood, as it said in Isaiah chapter 54, I think it is. Let me see if I can find it here. I had it pulled up earlier. That he was going to be our bridegroom. Isaiah 54 verse 8 says, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts, is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He's called the God of the whole earth. Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, understood Jesus' mission that soon that he was going to go back to the Lord. He was going to suffer, and he was going to die. So she anointed his feet with oil for, for his burial, and then she took her hair down and she wiped his feet with her hair. That was which they considered a woman's glory. That was her beauty, her hair. She humbled herself, not only by being at Jesus' feet, but when you entered a household, a slave was the one that washed people's feet, right? She humbled herself and she anointed Jesus' feet with this, this expensive perfume, and then she wiped them dry with her hair. So not only was that fragrance all over Jesus' feet, and all over that house, but that fragrance was all up in her hair. So everywhere that she went, people could smell that pleasing aroma. She understood that he was to be our bridegroom, that he was a redeemer. And what she did, Jesus said, would be remembered. I think in verse 9 and 10 of Mark, says this this is i tell you the truth wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world what she has done will be told in memory of her you know and no matter how we choose to show our love for the lord 
whether we're laid low, flat before him on the ground, bowing our heads, holding our hands in honor of him, singing, waving flags. It's all beautiful to the Lord. It's for she has done a beautiful thing to me, for me. So I guess where I'm going to leave it at is this. That no matter how you feel led to serve the Lord, it's beautiful. And it's not only beautiful for you, it's beautiful for those who are around you as well. That, that perfume that Mary poured out on Jesus' feet, it didn't just bless the Lord Jesus. It blessed everybody around who was a part of it. And your service unto the Lord, no matter how big or how great or how small, the Lord says, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing she's done for me. He's done for me. And I don't know about you, I'm just a big old fat, gray-haired, ugly guy standing up here. But I would love for the Lord to say of me, what he's done for me is beautiful. Amen. Because I love him that much. I love him. Sometimes I get a little controlled by the world, and I think, you know, I just loved just one time just be able to go into one of these big cities where you're all crowded into a great big old elevated uh, elevator and just, you know, like that what was that song? It was a DC talk song. It <laughs> said, just scream out, Jesus! <laughs> What's the matter with that crazy man? But I would love for my life to be an exclamation to the word, to the name above all other names, Jesus Christ. I would be blessed and honored if when people saw me, they saw the one whom I love above all else. And I would be blessed if Jesus would say, leave him alone, for he has done a beautiful thing for me. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, as we get ready to partake of communion today, as we remember what the Lord has done for us, I charge you today, I challenge you, what, what ways can you worship the Lord? Because he, he's going to perceive it as being beautiful. Don't let man, fear of man, keep you from doing what the love in your heart for your Jesus says you should do. Amen. Father, Lord, we just come before you and we give you thanks for this day and everything that you've done, Lord. You've done for us.